Kirby. Hi, Sarah. Welcome, Welcome to, to Los Angeles. Welcome, Glamgelinos. We hope you stay a while. Do you love anime, gaming, movies, and discovering how your favorite pop culture affects everything you do? Then join us on Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect. I'm Nick Friedman. I'm Lee Alec Murray. And I'm Leah President. Every week you can listen in while we break down the latest pop culture news and dish on what new releases we can't get enough of. Whether you love movies, I'm going to tell you all about the uh, hopeful 4K re-release of Tron Legacy that happens. (laughs) (laughs) I'm right there with you. Or music. The music in this show is absolutely incredible. Or anime. And under this mask is another mask. (laughs) (laughs) You can discover your new favorites right here on The Anime Effect. Listen every Friday, wherever you get your podcast, and watch full video episodes on Crunchyroll or on the Crunchyroll YouTube channel. Are your nails pink? They are. <gasps> Ooh. I know. I got them done before I did KTLA, and I was... Um, I'm always like, oh, my nails will look fine. And then I looked down and I was like, I can't like hold a product. It was like all janky. So I I picked pink because it's summer. And of course, the Barbie of it all. I feel like I've never seen you with pink nails. Really? It's usually red. Yeah. Like red is always my go-to. But I do, pink is like a, you know, usually like a second choice for me. Do you feel that you're a traditional Capricorn? I feel, I feel you are traditional Capricorn. The way that Capricorns are portrayed as being like very classic and like not mm. really like trend focused and you like to have like a very classic Yeah, aesthetic. is that like a, a January Capricorn versus a December Capricorn? Maybe, but I also have a ton of Sagittarius <laughs> in my chart. So I feel like okay. my Sagittarius kind of comes out, you know, I'm a little <laughs> yeah, unhinged, yeah. a little... A little more on, like, the uh, trend fun. side of the fun scale. Fun is the right word. But true. When we were recording with our lovely guest and talking about trends and fashion, I think as I'm getting older, too, I feel like I am leaning more into that, like, the, the classics and the investment just because Same. I'm tired of going through my closet and, like, getting rid of stuff like it's so annoying same and now you know we have a little bit more money we can like buy nicer things that will last yes and by no means am I a minimalist because I am not and I love a trend and I love shopping but I'm just like I'm done with buying the like fast fashion trend that's of the moment and then just donating donating it in like a month you know yeah I was going shopping for Taylor Swift yesterday and I realized that the reason why I wasn't happy with everything was because I was thinking to myself, will I ever wear this again? Which is a good question to ask. I don't want to buy this if I'm not going to incorporate it into my wardrobe in some way. Totally. I mean, you know, yeah, like I just remember like college or out of college, like going to Forever 21, like every single week and like buying a new outfit for the weekend. It was so much fun. That was absolutely unnecessary. (laughs) And I'm starting to shop at places that really have, you know, the material is heavier, you know, like that for me, especially with my, what, how I feel about my body, I need a heavier material. And 
sometimes, you know, I'll try on something and it looks flattering, but then like you can see like dimples in my legs or whatever it is. It's kind of like buying a pair of workout pants that are so sheer. This does not make me feel good <laughs> about oh working gosh, out. Totally. Like I need a little oomph. Yeah. And it's also not going to last. Like that's not going to last more than a month. Like say what you will about Lululemon. I still have all my Align leggings from Lululemon from like five years ago. They still, and I've worked out in them multiple times and they like stand the test of time, but it'll last. It'll last. I mean, thankfully there's like some like really great, you know, brands now that are like a, like an Everlane, for example, where it's like classic, but affordable and like made with good quality. So yeah, but speaking of trends, Kirby, who do we have on today? We have Kendall Becker on the podcast, and she is a journalist, stylist, and host of the Curated Podcast. She is the fashion and beauty trends editor at Trendalytics. Uh, And in addition to her work at Trendalytics, Kendall regularly writes for publications like Refinery29, Covateur, and Stylecaster. She's been featured in Mary Claire, Nylon, The Zoe Report, ID, Teen Vogue, and many more as a fashion and beauty expert. So at Trendalytics, she forecasts trends and creates bespoke reports for brands. So she's really getting to the root of like what people are searching for, what's going to be popular in not only the next few weeks or months, but uh, you know, the next year or so. And she does these reports not only just for brands, but publications and creators too, which I think is really important. And it is a consumer, Trendalytics is a consumer data analytics platform. So um, Kendall's going to talk about her background and I I find it really fascinating. We're going to get into the nitty gritty about trends. Sarah and I, y'all know every Tuesday we talk about trends, um, what we're seeing online and and how we think it affects the beauty landscape. And Kendall is kind of giving more of a detailed look at why we see things trend, which I absolutely loved this conversation um, because we think about some of these these life cycles of these trends and it's like, this is not sustainable. And especially since she has to work with not only publishers, but but brands and retailers who are deciding how much money to put into a specific product, you know, it's like, well, we don't want to invest this much money if in three weeks this is not going to be popular again. So Um, I think everybody's going to enjoy this conversation. Kendall, welcome to Los Angeles. We're so happy to have you. We talk about trends every single week on this podcast, and you seem to know just a tiny bit, just a little bit about that. Um, So we're excited to pick your brain uh, do you do you hate things like that when people are like, let me pick your brain? Like, can I circle back? Can I oh <laughs> land God. the plane? Like all of those things. <laughs> right. I feel like you can't even hate it at this point because it's just such the name of the game of like, okay, let's dive in. Let's circle back to it. So, I mean, you know, let's do it. Let's dive in. Being an authority on trends. I mean, everyone loves data. Uh, us included like anytime there's a big trend report that comes out we love Mm -hmm. to like analyze it dissect it give our you know two cents and also we have a segment that we call data girl that we quiz each other 
Um, it's usually me quizzing Kirby. Um, but, and she always, she gets like most of it right. Cause of, of course she's an expert too. But I can only imagine like people like Kirby said, like always wanting to like get coffee with you to talk about, you know, what, what the biggest beauty and also fashion trends are. So you, your inbox must be crowded. It is a crowded place. And it's so funny because obviously, you know, trend forecasting is nothing new per se, but having it integrated with data definitely is. But I do think it's come such into the zeitgeist recently, especially with TikTok. And there's just more like eyes on it than there used to be. So, I mean, I'll be out at a bar and I have someone who's like, wait, okay, what's the trends in blah, blah, blah. And what's the growth in here? And it's like so funny, but it really is like integrating into so many parts of life these days. I think that's interesting because especially in beauty, people want proof of concept in a way. Okay, why are we buying this one product that's based off of this trend? Is it because people have been talking about it or is there actual studies, research, things of that nature that actually prove that it works? Like especially in things like skincare, hair loss, things of that nature. Before, maybe it was just editors and brands thinking about these things and now like the actual consumer wants to hear more about it too which is why you're here to share it with our listeners but before we get into all of the trend stuff we like to ask people what's on their face a little segment where you can wax poetic about some of the favorite products you have and you don't actually have to be wearing it even though that's literally the name of the segment it's could just be a product that you've been loving and or, or more to, multiple that you want to share with people Ooh, a great question. Okay, I have two brands that I'm really obsessed with, Merit Beauty and then Klee Cosmetics. Like, so obsessed. I feel like they really do well with the clean approach, multi-use, the less is more. And for me, I mean, I love beauty, but I am by no means a makeup artist expert. So I like the ease of use and just knowing that it like looks natural, but also really great at the same time. So they are like winners for me. And I use everything from like like the ceramides to the CC cream that has SPF in it to um gosh their Merit's mascara their cheek balm like so so good we're we're big Merit fans also Clay I was gonna say your skin looks so luminous thank you guys yes I, <laughs> I try I try are you wearing like a little lip too or is that your natural color okay oh my gosh yes and then I also do. I do Merit's, um, gosh, I'm blanking on the color name, but their lip is like one of my favorites and it's a really nice like natural pink and I layer it over with that new YSL candy glaze that just came out in just a nude. It is freaking good and it's a little less sticky than I feel like the Dior lip oil, which I love the look of, but you know, that's a very, like, I'm saving that for night, where the candy glaze, I feel like I can wear it anytime, and it adds just a really nice sheen without being... Kirby, I was dying um, of that TikTok that you posted of that woman who saved all her... Well, she didn't save all her money, but she was dying to buy the Dior Beauty Lip Oil because it, it was out of stock. And then she, Speaking of trends, because everyone is talking about it, everyone must have, and then she puts it on, and she's like, it's lip gloss. <laughs> It's That's like you so think it's gonna funny. you think it's gonna change your life because everyone is talking about a product and you know it's like sold out. Like, I need it, and then you get it, and you're like, "Well, no, that happens to us all the time." I, we do um, at Trendalytics, we do a report called Top Trends, and it ranks out every month like what are the, the top of the top that are coming out, and there's some that land on there that we're like, 
the J-Lo perfume that came out in like, you know, 2010. And we're like, why? What is happening? And it always goes back to something funny on TikTok that like sparked some crazy trend. Wild. TikTok has been absolutely incredible for beauty products. I am... I don't think people really understood how impactful it was going to be when they initially got on the platform, brands especially. And now I feel like every brand strategy is you have to be on TikTok. Oh, 100%. I would love to be a fly on the wall of a beauty brand's like social media team. I can only imagine like the conversations and like that new pressure that's added to be performing on there. Right. And also, I think what's interesting, too, is it's not necessarily these new products. Like you said, it's like a JLo perfume from 2010. It's like you can revive your catalog of product based on what people are talking about and what's trending. Like latte makeup is trending right now. It's like, okay, all of these brands can go into their repertoire of shades and be like, oh, this would be perfect for that. Or, oh, this was like a unique formula that maybe didn't hit at the time. Maybe it was before its time and now might actually perform really well. I would love to hear about that. Like any brands listening that have had like a sleeper hit like years later, let us know. For real. Yes, I would. I would be so fascinated. So Kendall, all right, let's get into your background and your role at Trendalytics. Like what, how did you get into this and what exactly do you do for Trendalytics? Great question. I will keep it short, but my first job out of the gate was I was assistant fashion editor at Editorialist. And if you remember back when they first came out, they used to stock product. So we were building content with the motive to move product, which is very different for, you know, the typical editorial world. So I was having this more strategic lens to when I was creating content or writing about something, putting a, you know, a great market edit together. And after that, they had went through a little bit of business shifts. I ended up at a big mass retailer in their fashion office. So I think fashion office kind of can get confusing. For example, like my title at Trendalytics is fashion director. It doesn't necessarily mean you're only dealing with fashion. It's kind of an interchangeable term for like, let's say trend. So in their trend office, what you would do is basically be bridging the gap of marketing with the buying teams. So we'd be putting essentially, I like to call it like a shopping list together for our buyers to know what they should be looking for in market when they're going out and meeting with brands, choosing what to buy or also in product development. So creating, you know, specific items specifically um, for the store, as well as then knowing what to market at the end of the day. So if we, you know, bought really deeply into snakeskin, we want to make sure that that's going to then be in an ad campaign. And so those units actually get moved. So those are the two sides of my career. And ever since then, kind of sticking within that same realm. So Move forward, I've worked with a bunch of different retailers, trend forecasting firms. Some of them ranged um, very old school, which is like shifting through hundreds of thousands of runway images each season. Like I could tell you the floor tile of, you know, a certain brand in X season, like so crazy that it's just how in the weeds you would get. So doing that, but then also um, working with some of these more data-driven companies. And this started to come up a lot over the last couple of years. On the editorial side, I still write as well, and I really focus on trend analysis stories, what's happening, what's cool. But now at Trendalytics, I'm I'm the fashion director over here, and I oversee all of our trend strategy. So basically taking in a lot of this 
quantitative data and turning it into qualitative storylines. So I'll be putting together big reports that our clients can be accessing, meeting with our clients one-on-one -on -one to talk through you know, hot topics of the moment if they're you know, really wondering about denim or we'll do a sit down for Miami Swim Week and go over all of that. So it's a cool kind of bridging the gap there. And then on the consumer side too, while we do have clients, but we also have social media, we run a newsletter that gives trend insights each week. So I oversee all of that with our um, lovely team of editors and writers. That's so fun. Did you, like, were you always into data? Like, is this something that you kind of studied in college that, that kind of led you here? Honestly, like, it started just to weave itself in my career naturally. I never went out of my way to study it. Like, I am a words girl, hands down. But with that being said, I can understand storylines really well. So being able to pick out that data, I would say my biggest introduction to it was when I was at that first mass retailer that I worked with was very analytics driven. Because they're a bit more um, mass market versus luxury, it was very much focused on understanding your best sellers and wanting to repeat that and really going after those you know profitable um, ideas. So I would go through, God, it was like an 80 page Excel sheet, like really thick every week. And I would go through and be highlighting what the trends were and how to create storylines around that. So I could then go tell my buyers like, hey, it looks like red dresses are working really well. And for whatever reason, maxi links aren't performing this week, but there's a lot of minis. So if we do have any extra money, like let's go after that. So that's how I really started to work within this brain space. And then slowly, as I mentioned, I worked with um, throughout my career, probably about like five to seven different trend firms. And like I mentioned, some were really ranging on old school, some are really um, starting to integrate data more. And so got accustomed to that. And I actually used Trendalytics um, in one of my past lives. And so I was really understood the platform and knew just how strong it was. They dive in a lot to Google search, social media listening, so understanding what's happening on TikTok, Instagram, being able to see growth with all of that, and then really ranking and understanding um, you know, how these trends are performing and then giving them a projection if you know, the algorithm feels good about it. So cool to combine all of those and then be able to, you know, really understand that story that the data is telling. So then how do you, Kendall Becker, determine a trend? Like what is, how do you go about it? How can you tell that something is going to be trending like a year from now, which most companies need to know, right? A year, two years, three years from now. I love that. I mean, such a great question. The way that I look at it, it really pulls it way back and starts at this macro level. Um, a great example I'll walk you through is, okay, so we were coming out of COVID and a lot of us, you know, we were dressing very simply. And right afterward, there was such a boom in this like more sartorial stance within dressing, within makeup. We were seeing a lot trending with like lots of color, colored eyeliner. We talked about the euphoria makeup is having such a time. Um, within fashion to looking at some of um, like the oversized bows, the corset tops. It was very, you know, fun. We're out there. We're making a statement. Um, so knowing, thinking about that, like, okay, so we're sitting in our houses. What are we going to want when this all ends? How are we going to, you know, how are we going to feel? What are we going to be drawn to? And so more some of these exciting um, trends, we're having more of a moment. I love to use color. I think that's always such a fun one to look at and applies nicely to both fashion and the beauty. And so with that, there is also a rise um, looking culturally in like 
house music and electronic music and how are people out and celebrating. So really looking at this holistically, it's not just, you know, what's happening on the runways, but how, what's happening within our society as a whole. So I had a, one of my trends that I was thinking of was rave shades. So I was looking at cerulean blue, hot pink, electric purple, more of this really bright yellow. And what you kind of do is create this toolkit of this is what I'm thinking is going to happen. This is what's fitting in the zeitgeist of this time. And then as things start to roll out, you're like, oh, okay. So maybe hot pink is going to hit first. We had that Valentino collection that went absolutely viral. People were talking about it. It was resonating. Then there was those pictures of the Barbie movie started to come out last summer. So then we were talking about hot pink a little bit more and a little bit more. And at that point, I was um, doing consulting with a really great retailer. And we were going into our holiday market. All of a sudden, everything was hot pink versus a lot of red and green for holiday. So you just start to get these little inklings of, okay, this is really resonating. We're starting to see this here, all of that. And then bringing it in, you're able to select like, okay, hot pink or what's next? Well, we're probably pretty sick of hot pink. So cerulean blue might be a great one to be having on our radar. And we're really seeing a lot of that in the fall runways. There was so much, um, lots of cobalt happening. We've been seeing more of this like icy blue, um, cerulean I think is great for resort. So you start to piece it together of what's that rebuttal, what's the storyline. It still has to flow and keep that storyline with it, but keep enough differentiation that everyone's interested. Okay, I love this so much because I think people think a trend is based strictly on social media and that is not a sustainable way to look at it for any brand or anybody trying to make money or even a consumer trying to maybe curate their own makeup look or their own wardrobe in their closet. You know what I mean? I love the fact that you think of all of these things coming together. Sarah and I have talked about this, but COVID was a really big driver for a lot of trends we're seeing now in terms of like skincare. We were spending a lot of time on TikTok. So, and we're also in our houses and we're wearing masks. So skincare became more important. And then people were experiencing hair loss from inflammation and stress. And so now we're seeing a lot more hair growth products being targeted at us. And those will, like, even though, I mean, the pandemic, like COVID is still a thing. I think, you know, a lot of us, we're, in a different spot than we were maybe two or three years ago, but we'll continue to see the effects of COVID in terms of trends for years to come because, you know, brands have been ideating for the past however many years, like, okay, this is what I think is going to hit then. But I love that you mentioned Cerulean Blue. First of all, Devil Wears Devil Wears Prada. But um, Hot Pink, it's so funny. Now that the Barbie movie's over, I'm like, okay, I can't wear Hot Pink anymore. I'm done. Like, I need to move on to the next thing. And what I've noticed is that Silver is having a moment and not just like silver pants, which I've seen a ton of at like Zara and Nordstrom. Like I was at Sandro and Maje this week and like just silver, like like metallic silver clothing, but silver jewelry, which I felt like gold was the thing. And, and now on TikTok, I'm seeing people be like, oh, there's this filter that tells you if like gold or silver is the right one to wear. And then people are like, should I be wearing silver? And I'm like, oh my God, we're going back to like late 90s, early millennium in so many ways, including the jewelry. So the fact that you even mentioned like the shift from hot pink to like cooler tones, like blue, 
I feel like that kind of works its way into like everything you said just really hit for me in so many ways. I love too that like you have these storylines and you're like you can really really pinpoint where it's coming from because I think a lot of people too to Kirby's point just think like where did this trend come from like people were just like randomly you know just someone like made it up and started talking about it on TikTok but no like everything matters it is holistic like you said um and like you can always like find I feel like a starting point but I think it's really really fascinating like that you can actually like paint this entire picture um whereas where people are like oh it's just like people just like made it up it's like no there's a story behind it yes like I swear it's important and impactful but right like we do I think especially with social media we get in this of habit where it really leans into what we call like a micro view and I think that focuses a lot on one it item like all of a sudden it's yes the silver jeans and you're like okay great and maybe the silver jeans will you know burn out and we're going to be done with it but silver is still important or how are we playing this out in different ways um and just focusing a lot on the evolution versus something abruptly starting and abruptly ending but it's like how is that aesthetic evolving are we still feeling that way how can it be played out for consumer a versus consumer b and all of that it really right comes together to create more of that lens that makes a bit more sense (laughs) when it comes to the term trend is there a specific timeline that you consider something to be a trend because on tiktok especially in beauty it seems like there's one every single day and i i don't feel that's actually sustainable anything can be a trend i guess if they put their minds to it so do you have a specific time frame for these for these things that is such a great question. And I feel like that's kind of the crux of the whole thing where before it was very, you know, you would forecast this season from X season. And it was very like, this one is going to reflect that like A to B. And it's so not the case anymore of when people action on things or show up or it begins to resonate on social media. And so I really don't look at it in that same timeline anymore. I like to not have to forecast as far out because of these reasons. And one of my biggest recommendations always for retailers is to stay as liquid as possible, which is a hard, hard thing to do, but to be able to action, or even if it's, Hey, I'm going to use this in my marketing plan versus buying whatever it might be, but the trends really don't have that cyclical approach as much as they used to. And what's funny is too, we used to think of catching buzz or being, you know, getting talked about on social or whatnot as this amazing thing. And I think now it definitely still is. I mean, hey, drive those sales. Why not when it comes to specific products? But I do think it causes more of this burnout where consumers are so sick of it and they don't want to see it anymore, where sometimes you almost don't want to go super viral because then it's a walk away and forget. You're like, I'm so sick of hot pink. Like I never want to touch it again. And now what happens when you, you know, bought so deeply into hot pink? Uh-oh. Oh, my God. We're going to see it at all the hot pink and bu- at Buffalo Exchange <laughs> in the next like, few months. It's going to be just like <laughs> overload. Sarah, I went to Wasteland and literally there's so much hot pink. Like, like I'm sure <laughs> Wasteland is like, no more hot pink. No more. Like, yeah, we can't yeah. accept any more buybacks of hot pink. <laughs> like, this whole, this is like Barbie land now, not Wasteland. 
that is fascinating to me. And I think you make a really great point, Kendall. You've been making great points this whole conversation. But like when we get a celebrity and they have that slow burn, like you, you that's how you develop like a fan base. But then once that person hits the mainstream and it's just nonstop this person, that's when you develop haters and people that are always going to be critical. And and so I wonder if this is like, especially with TikTok, because TikTok is so influential in trends. If it's going to kind of make people step back to your point and be a little bit more discerning with the products that they buy or the wardrobe pieces that they pick up or they're, they're looking for more staples. I know that there is a fat, uh, like a stylist on TikTok. I can't, I, her name escapes me. I even follow her. I feel so bad that I don't remember her name, but she's, she's the one that's like, pick three words for your taste in terms of your wardrobe and then only buy products or pardon me only buy buy garments for your closet that fit into those three words otherwise it's not going to work like you're going to have too much you're not going to have a specific point of view for your own style and you're going to be buying things you're not going to wear and I felt like that's a step in the right direction yes oh my god I love that I I didn't know that there was a stylist on TikTok who's doing that because I that's my favorite recommendation always when people ask me about curating wardrobe so I love that. And I also loved your celebrity comparison too. That is like the perfect way to put it. And, you know, I think what was funny, this is a little bit more um, apparel driven, but, you know, on the runways for this upcoming fall back in February, when everyone was showing, I don't know if you guys remember all those articles about like wearable wardrobe. And then now it kind of turned into the quiet luxury, but it's all these really more like subdued approaches. And I think looking at it also flipping the script to beauty it's, you know, like we mentioned, we were seeing a lot of more of this like euphoria makeup, really loud and all of this. And we're seeing a lot more natural trends growing and more of these really glowy primers and things of that nature. But it's all more so like embracing, I think, a natural beauty or yourself or understanding, not even having it be natural, but to your point about picking those three words of having it be personal and having that showcase in all, you know, different ways. But whether it's, you know, how you're styling your white tank top might be completely different than somebody else, but you're really driving in. And I think there's more of a craving to pick these pieces, whether it is beauty or fashion that you're really going to wear and feel really good about investing in. And I mean, that even drives back to all this talks of, you know, is there a recession happening? What's that? You know, what's going on with the economy? And all of these sort of things spark that mentality. And also maybe too, like, the excessiveness of it all with like the Shein controversy and just like, you know, all the explosion of, you know, every celebrity, every influencer has a beauty brand. I feel like too, that really has had an effect, right? We're all like, okay, every, this is all too much. We need to like invest in what we love and what we know we'll all, we can keep and have. Um, I have a question. Speaking of celebrity, are there any, specific like celebrities that you like to follow for trend forecasting like I mean I every single person always mentions how they buy anything that Hailey Bieber wears um but I feel like you know she definitely is a trendsetter but I'm sure that you're also like a step ahead of her already but are there certain people like musicians influencers artists where you're like following them and seeing what they're wearing to like sort of gives you an idea of what you think is going to come? That's a great question. And the way that I look at it, 
kind of breaking it down on what are you forecasting? Who is it for? And at what like range are we trying to be? So someone like the Hailey Bieber or Bella Hadid are like my easy, easy, like, okay, great. This is a go-to. Like, sure. If you're trying to act on something fast, look at what they're wearing because that's perfect, easy to copy, done, a lot of eyes on it. So I think that's a great one. And then looking, you know, like, is this a little bit more like Gen Z? I think Olivia Rodrigo obviously is a great one. And she's, I mean, she's like adorable, but I loved her for looking at more of this like indie sleaze aesthetic, but she's also so cute. So, okay, how can we kind of evolve it? She does it in a tasteful way, but she's a little edge. So I liked her iterations and that's something we've seen start in Gen Z and is really going more into this more contemporary and like luxury market and seeing it done in more of an elevated way. So I think that's an interesting one. And then of course, you know, we're getting more of Sophia Richie now on the scene, but I think is that great reflection of more of the wearable wardrobe, this quote, quiet luxury, but she's kind of like the antithesis of the really, you know, the Bella Hadid's of the world where it's very, I'm throwing on all these things and it's kind of sporty sort of this. And we're getting more of that refresh in the palette of, okay, this is a little bit more cleaner. We're, you know, having more of these investment items, whether, you know, you did spend $50 or $500, but it feels more wearable and I don't want to say classy, but it has more of that undertone. Okay. Not to say that you guys should be buying our merch, which you definitely should, but if you have bought our merch, you probably know it's pretty easy. Couldn't be easier. Truly. And that is because we use Shopify and we love Shopify because it makes it easy to purchase products, not just sell them, but as somebody who often buys things online, I love that when I log on somewhere, maybe skims or something, you go to check out and it's like, boop, all my stuff's in there. No need to pull out my credit card or my wallet. Just fill out the little code that comes to you and then you're on your way. And for entrepreneurs out there, Shopify couldn't make it easier for you to sell your stuff. It makes it easy to accept payments, you manage your orders, you're building the relationships with your customers. It literally has everything you need to sell in person, but also everything you need to sell online. If you're ever wondering ease of use, like why it's so easy for you to check out certain places, it's likely because it is a Shopify website and it helps you to drive store traffic with plug and play tools built for marketing campaigns. We probably could do a little bit more of that to be honest. So uh, here's your PSA to go buy some Los Angeles merch. There's literally Shopify built in plugins for Instagram. Wow. Did you know that? That's amazing. We're not doing enough. We're living in the future. We, we're, we have all of this at our service and we are not utilizing it. So sorry, Shopify. But now that they are proud sponsors of Los Angeles, we will be integrating that into our merch situation. Yes, we will. If you are interested in checking out Shopify, we've got a little deal for you. You can sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash Los Angeles. That's all lowercase. So just go to shopify.com slash Los Angeles to take your retail business to the next level today. That is shopify.com slash Los Angeles. It feels more tailored. Yeah, oh, totally. Sophia has a very tailored look. Bella, I feel, is more the 90s supermodel. And then Haley, 
loves like an oversized blazer. Like I always just think of her with like giant shoulder pads. Yeah. You know? So it just depends on like what you're looking at. But I I do think like the Sophia Richie of it all is very fascinating because you would think that she could just go into the the 90s look. Like she could be, be a copy and paste of Bella Hadid if she wanted to. But instead she's like, no, my clothes are tailored. I look expensive because they're tailored. Like I truly, money, yeah, baby. I just, I truly, I feel like if you want to look expensive, just get your clothes tailored. The end. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, oh, absolutely. If something fits, yeah. it looks way better on you. But um, Amanda Mitchell from from my beauty team just interviewed Sophia Ritchie and asked her about trends actually. And Sophia's answer was so interesting in that she was like, I'm an old soul actually. And I'm actually really bad at trends. Like, my friends will come to me and be like, oh, like, what do you think of this trend? And sh- and Sophia will be like, I have like, I, I have no idea. Or she'll be really late to something and be like, have you guys like heard of this? And people will be like, okay, that was like a few months ago. And so for her, I guess she was saying, which to you guys both nailed it on the head. She's like, I just wear what I want to wear, what I think looks good on me, um, which is just really cute, tailored Chanel. Yeah, like more power too. Very, yeah. very accessible. Yeah. More power to Listen, you. I want a yeah. tailored Chanel She looks suit. incredible. She just, I mean, she just did the uh, cover for Who What Wear and like, oh, I she mean, looks she stunning. Looks so I know. The, the Who What Wear girls absolutely killed it on the styling. It looked amazing. I, yeah, they, they killed that. It looked great. Um, okay. Let's talk about beauty. What are some examples of products that we're starting to see roll out as a result of trends that you're seeing in the beauty space? Where you're like, I knew that was coming. I love that. Okay, so looking at one of the great examples, I think that's really easy to understand right now is this like mermaid core idea and what was coming out of this. So leaning again into that post-COVID escapism, we saw so much of that. And initially it was being done with more of this like avant-garde, like the oversized bows, the macaroon shades. It felt very like post-Bridgerton. And we start to still see more of, you know, this idea of escapism leaning more into mermaid core. And so with people thinking about travel, where are you going? What's on that, you know, that big bucket list trip you've been wanting to, um, you know, plan and go on. We've been seeing a lot of trends that lean into escapism, travel, all of that. So one, oh gosh, one term that was just performing so well for crazy long was this like shimmering body oil. Fun, like crazy, crazy, just on the absolute rise. That was one that was doing so well. And then seeing iterations of that coming up, like bronzing drops were performing then. And then more of wet hair look, people Googling how to get that. And then the products that go along with it too. So how are, you know, we're looking more at, you know, how we're, how we're achieving all these different looks. Um, and then same thing too, with a lot of different, different iterations on sunscreens. That's been fascinating to start to see the rise. So we're seeing like can't like sunscreen oil, sunscreen powder, shimmering sunscreen, and then also looking kind of what we were mentioning earlier with um, a great CC cream that has SPF in it, or more of this dewy look, a primer that has SPF, but it's also shimmering. So all of these are still tying in all together. And you'll even see really funny things pop up that are so literal where like mermaid tears was trending for me. And it's like, okay, I mean, cute fun but how are we actually actioning off of this those are some really funny ones 
Um, a couple other ones that I thought were interesting is this idea of like an it haircut. So if you guys remember, you know, during COVID, everyone was doing a lot of these like DIY haircuts. What are we doing? All these different hacks. And then as we were able to go to salons, the, oh my God, the butterfly cut, it is still trending. I feel like we've been talking about it for so long. Um, oh my God, I wrote down the stat for this one. It's up 204% with almost 200K weekly searches, which is just wild for a trend that's like still rolling, all of that. Um, some other interesting ones too is all these products coming to market that started with these hacks, right? Of like heatless curls or putting the leggings in the hair or all these different ideas and really starting from the virality that happened with the Dyson and the Dyson Airwrap and um, just keeping that going. But lots of trends happening still within the platform on like thermal brush or heatless curls or um, even just Dyson in general is, oh my God, owning all those Google searches. It is really, really fascinating. But those are some two categories that I've really just been seeing um, skyrocketing based off of TikTok and what's happening. Yeah. The haircuts, I like every meeting we have, Megan Decker <laughs> comes to the meeting and she's like, or Jackie from our team comes to the, from the Refinery29 beauty team, will come to the meeting and be like, diamond haircuts. I'm like, what is a diamond haircut? Sure, write a story. And then boom, it like is our top search story of the uh, across verticals i'm like what is what is the difference the u-shaped haircut it's like if you just put like a fun name to it people just like yes eat it up it's crazy i would say one that's cracking me up right now is the slob haircut and it has i mean a horrible connotation you're like why would i want to get a slob haircut and the best thing is that it's shortened for like sleek bob and i'm like <laughs> oh my god no make it make sense make it make sense but it's up 420 percent in I'm like surgery. slob writing that down crazy no literally write it down <laughs> i feel like that plays into a trend though like slob cut like with the like indie sleaze coming back that term works but like being a short bob literally i did a video with my hairstylist in 2013 Paul, like he was giving a short bob to someone and we, we did not call it slob we, or like, you know what yeah. I mean? Like it was just short bob and, and maybe it wasn't sleek, but like we could have, we could have named that slob then, but yeah. nobody wanted to look like a slob. You know what yeah. I mean? Like that just totally, you're right. It wouldn't have worked. Well, also to, like the whole nail trend also, world as well is so funny because they just rename these like classic, like the the classic French manicure, and they're like the milky manicure, the or like a pink nail, it's like the strawberry, like strawberry milk nails or whatever. Like Bettina Goldstein, who is a nail artist and friend of mine, sends me like at least one a day, and she's like, "Why are they calling, recalling it? This is so annoying. It's just a pink nail. Just call it a pink nail." But I think it makes it fun. Like I enjoy it, and I think it's like. It it makes me laugh, um, but I just see these people coming into nail salons like, I'll have the lavender dream nail. It's like ordering a, a smoothie, you know? And they're like, what is that? And it's just like a, it's just a lavender color. Right. It's like the wolf cut. I'm like, babes, yes. that's a shag. Yes. It's been around. Like, curtain, we curtain need mangs. to get a grip. 
Cur- don't get me started. Don't, like, do not get me started. I will tell you whether or not you have curtain bangs. Most of you do not have curtain bangs. Okay, those are called long layers. We've are I've already been on this soapbox, but you know what? This reminds me of I saw a tweet, or maybe it was it was a TikTok, and it was like this girl that was like, you know, I was babysitting these kids, and you know, one of the kids had to go to dance class, and and then the other kid had to do this, and I was like, okay, I need to make sure that you know, once they're all at home, I can get in touch with them, and I had to like call all three of their cell phones to check in on them, and I'm kind of like, why isn't there just like a house phone that you can call that like reaches everyone in the family? I'm like, babes, it's called a landline. It is called, and everyone's like, you've got to be kidding me. And so it's like when you're young, obviously, you don't know. You're probably not like. Was she not kidding? No, no. She, she was I mean, kidding. she was a teenager. She she truly probably has never had yeah. a, a landline, which I mean, like, I I don't have a landline in my home now. Yeah, you know what right. I mean? So oh it, it's gosh. it's just. Um, and, I, and I actually don't knock this person for not knowing that because there are plenty of things. Like, think about music. Remember when artists like. Puff Daddy and Will Smith would, and like Mace, like would sample iconic songs from the past. Yeah. That was the first time I had ever even heard that that tune. You know what I mean? Yeah. And my parents would be like, oh my God, like I can't that they're like taking this song and redoing it. It's like Lotto doing, um, you know, big energy with Mariah Carey's music. Yeah. So many people had never even heard, sadly, never even heard that Mariah Carey song before. And she introduced it to a whole new group of people. So it's kind of like a rite of passage in a way where you get introduced to things from the past via right. the newness. So. It, I know. It all makes sense. It's funny, but oh, yeah, I laugh at them too. It, it, some of them are just so ridiculous where you're like, it's literally just, it's just a cake nail. Like, it's okay. <laughs> yeah. The one yeah, perk yeah. that I do like about it as I feel like it makes it more conversational for people who yeah. are as ingrained in those industries, it makes it a little easier to talk to and to like chat about with your friends. And I think spread the word on when it like has that fun ethos to it and a little bit of a playfulness. So I do see for, you know, other people how it's wonderful and great. For me, I'm like, oh God, what am I Googling today? <laughs> What am I telling the retailers? Like, okay, change up your email marketing to XYZ and like, let's use this term now. So the stress is real, I think, on the B2B side. But, you know, I see the perk. I can see the perk. Totally. (laughs) Um, Okay. Are there a few beauty brands that you think have really blown up on TikTok this year? Ooh. I feel like Or, Or alternatively, like, do you think that TikTok has, like, how do you think TikTok has influenced beauty brands in general? Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Kind of twofold question there. I do think like, I mean, there's these brands that really like have their moment in the spotlight. Like I think looking back to last year, we'd be like, Charlotte Tilbury is all over TikTok. Like the absolute queen of it happening. And then it starts to shift into like rare beauty and, you know, the what's it, that blush pinch cheek, like couldn't stay in stock for the life of it. And so I think it kind of evolves where it just keeps having these different moments. And some of the surprising ones come up too, like within our platform, like Bobby Brown was trending like no tomorrow. And it was funny as I was joking with um, someone else on our team, but we're like, this product has been around forever, kind of circling back to that conversation that we were having, where it isn't necessarily like the newest brands that are blowing up, but people having their own moment in the sun, which I think is 
super interesting. But some of like those newcomers that are, you know, hitting the scene, like the Tower 28, I think resonates so well with Gen Z. Like it's that perfect packaging for them. And it's so fun, looks great online. So I think it really depends on what that zeitgeist of the moment is, what we're looking at. And, you know, as it goes with the trends hand in hand on who's blowing up. Uh, more on the B2B side, what I think is interesting, um, having conversations with both beauty and fashion retailers on, you know, how do we approach this if you can't be so liquid to, you know, change up your buys or product development takes such a long time, especially in beauty, that it is hard to react to those trends. And when you're investing, you know, however much money in the production of these things to then have a flash in the pan trend go away. So figuring out, you know, with our brand partners of how do we approach this? And I think what we land on a lot is this merchandising and marketing standpoint. So having to be really smart on your feet of exactly like what we were chatting about earlier, if I would love to be a fly on the wall in some of those marketing conversations internally on how they're approaching these things. But I think that's really key of, you know, having a really great social listening ear or, you know, having platforms like Trendalytics and brand partners to help you out here, but knowing like, hey, okay, Mermaid Core is actioning. What within our assortment can fit within here? How do we play into this? Is it that, you know, we can make a really great TikTok and do a tutorial on X or our next email marketing is going to be about Y and understanding how to, you know, where to be liquid, where to act fast and where to invest. I think is the biggest, you know, issue, not necessarily issue, but challenge point for brands and retailers and I mean, even publishers right now. Yeah. Wasn't Mermaid Core big like in like 2016, Kirby yes. and Kendall, like of like the the, the Kylie, Kylie, you know, yes. renaissance <laughs> when she, when, you know, like everyone had different colored hair. I mean, she had, yeah, she, I mean, she changed her hair color like every freaking day and we had to, yep, we had to write about it all the time. But yeah, it's just so funny how that like, I mean, no surprise, but how great. And now is it because of Dua Lipa? (laughs) Mermaid Barbie? (laughs) Everyone's thinking about it. No, it's literally so funny of like some of those little things that like were that like pictures of the coming out, the um, little mermaid movie and then mixing that back to escapism and like where's on people's travel radars and like all of that it's just yeah it's so funny and I think that shift also was nice going from more of that euphoria the really you know crazy colors overdone highlight where this was like okay how are we kind of blending more of the the dewy glazed donut all of that but like meeting in the middle and I feel like mermaid core was a really nice answer to that who in your opinion are some of the influencers and brands that you think we should be on the lookout for more in this like storyline aspect, but I'm loving the brands and influencers who are bridging the gap with more of this holistic approach to what they're doing and tapping into even, you know, different cultures. I think like Arveda is so important right now and is only like growing in buzz. A lot of publishers begin to talk about it. We're seeing more brands hit the market, like Fable and Maine is playing into it. Um, think that's great and those who are taking more of this holistic stance so even see some like little bit of almost like a mystic spin in some branding I love the branding of true alchemy I think they're great at skincare but really kind of feels a little fun like there's a playfulness with tarot and astrology and integrating all of that um, I think that's a really really fun sector and I think to a lot of us you know we're paying a lot more attention to wellness whether it is from scalp care to trying out Pilates and low intensity workouts and 
feeling hormones. And I'm liking watching the people who are blending this with more of that traditional stance to beauty. So I love following, I think like Gracie Norton is so cute. She does everything from like skincare to lymphatic drainage to her makeup looks getting ready. I love that. Um, there's one girl who I'm obsessed with and she's not huge on TikTok by any means, but her name's Caroline. I like blanking on her last name. Her name's like literally comes up as like Caroline Pilates. And she does this series on what my private Pilates clients are buying. And she goes in everything from really great makeup, like, oh my gosh, this SPF primer is amazing, to this greens powder that my clients love, to they're wearing XYZ workout sets when they come to Pilates. And I think bridging that gap is all really interesting. And this approach of like lesser known, under the radar, like what's cool and really worth your buy versus like the most viral of the moment. So I'm like obsessed with all of that. I love that you mentioned the holistic approach. It's kind of like, especially with that Caroline girl, that's an example of kind of pulling back the curtain on things that people may not be expecting. It's not just her like doing Pilates. It's like, okay, these are my clients. This is something like maybe a little privilege that you're going to get intel to. Jackie Ina, I think is the queen of this. I, I will, I watch her videos and I'm just like, girl, give me your life. Like, this is incredible. And I'm like, I am like rarely like this, but she had, so Jackie, obviously iconic beauty YouTuber, like has been doing it for so long. One of the OGs. And she pivoted when she got on TikTok and created Lavishly Jackie, which is basically her account where she's like, black women or any woman that looks like me deserves to have this lifestyle. Like, here here I go. I'm going to show you everything that I'm doing. From like, we're actually recording this on her birthday. So Jackie, if you hear this, happy birthday. She did a video on, she does maintenance videos every month. And it's like, she does the same things over and over for the most part, but I watch every single one of them. They are fascinating. So for her birthday maintenance day, she like went and she went to Flavia and she got lymphatic drainage and she got wrapped in saran wrap. And then she sat in a sauna for 40 minutes. And then she went, she like took her own twists out and then she had her wig installed and she did her own press on nails. And she was like, this is what I do. And she was like walking everybody through every single part of the process. Like, okay, I do my own press ons because of this. It's so easy. And she makes it look extremely aesthetic. And so people feel like they're getting a peek behind the curtain of like how she becomes Jackie Ina. And I like to see that now. Like I like to see that it's not all just like she's so gorgeous and has an amazing house and an amazing everything. Like she works out and she actually puts in the effort. Like she literally steams. Have you seen this, Sarah? She steams her comforter in the morning, every morning. She like busts out. Yeah. Yes. It's, it's, it's incredible. And I'm, I'm every single time I'm like, just my mouth is like open because I could never like the girl, the dedication you have to steaming your comforter every morning, girl, like I respect it on a different level. So anyways, yes, that's like, it's like that 360 approach. It's not just like I'm Jackie and I'm known for beauty or skincare or travel or whatever it is. It's like, no, I'm letting you into my life so you can see something that maybe it's like it's like the privileged information aspect of it, which I really like. Oh, I do too. That's so good. There's a lot of these conversations too. I'm sure you've been seeing this, like how to be high maintenance to be low maintenance. So talking about those like investment treatments or products that you 
do maybe, you know, once a month or whatever it might be. So then your day to day is just so much easier and like really quick. I'm like, okay, genius. Yeah. Right. Yep. Like here for that movement. That's Sarah. Sarah with her eyelash extensions. She just wakes up (laughs) and she's ready. I love that Jackie calls it the main, like monthly maintenance. I mean, it's like by by month, no, bi weekly for me. But <laughs> I need, I'm like, but I Kirby, you should re- record yours because I feel like they would be really fascinating. It would be like it would be like a mess. It would be a complete mess. It would be like okay, <laughs> I woke up from a depressive episode, and then, <laughs> and then I had enough energy to wash my face this morning, oh, so I did that. <laughs> you're right. You're right. Same with me. Mine would be like. It would be like a second long because it'd be like, I have to deal with my kids. I'm so sorry. Yes. I just, I brushed my, oh my teeth God, this morning. You should That's do that. It. You're I, like, I, I, it's a win. You literally should do that. <laughs> like, like a win is a win. <laughs> right. Exactly. Oh my God. I love a it. A win is a win. Doesn't matter. <laughs> Take it. Oh my gosh. But I love that we can watch other people do it. Right. Like it's, yes. just, it, it, there is something about like the voyeurism, like, uh, it, uh it the big just, brother of it all. Yes. Yeah. It's fun. It's fun. It's aspirational. Kendall, this has been so fun. Um, we have loved talking to you, and this has been absolutely fascinating. We'll have to have you back to like do different segments throughout the year because we love getting this intel. But before we end, this is a this is a personal question okay. because I have my ideas, but I want to ask you based on the intel that you have. Thoughts on what Halloween costumes are going to be the most popular this year? Oh. I feel like ever since really TikTok has just such become, you know, an important part of inspiration in all aspects, anything that is like viral worthy is now Halloween costumes. We actually just did a report on this this week and we were looking at the data of how much people are searching for things like Taylor Swift costumes, Barbie costumes, Little Mermaid, like all of these really buzzy cultural moments, which I think was always a thing, especially when it comes to Halloween costumes of, you know, playing into like what you thought was really cool this year and all of that. But the extent that people are going into like trying to get these different looks. And I think the accessibility of these tutorials and how to do it in all the different ways, that's like what we're going to be seeing. So any buzzy pop culture moment, Barbie, whatever your Barbie is. No, I was going to say, I'm looking, I'm going to go on, I'm like, look, going to look this up real quick. Hold on. Um, because I have a suspicion that this costume, I think that the Allen doll, Michael Sarah. Oh, it's a breakout already. I knew it. I freaking knew it. Um, Allen, Michael Sarah's character uh-huh. in, I, I want to be, I want to be Allen. I want to be Alan for Halloween. I think that this is going to be Alan and Midge. Nope. Never mind. Right. Sarah's going to be Alan. I'm going to be Midge. Um, I get to be pregnant for once. And thank you. we are going to be, <laughs> Sarah's like, thank you. I thank cannot you. do this again. I'm uh, done. Thank you. <laughs> but yes, I feel like Alan and Midge are going to be the breakout stars. Or honestly, I think we're going to see a lot of Ken's. I think we're going to see a lot of Ken's because even last year when Barbie, the the paparazzi photos came out of them in Venice Beach in their like workout gear. Yes. I think that was a huge look for them, um, like for Halloween last year. And so this year, Mm -hmm. I think we'll see more of Barbie in her Western outfit and her gingham dress. And then we're going to see so many Ken's. We're going to see like 
Mojo Dojo Don't Casa House weird. Ken. Oh my god, yes. Weird Barbie. Oh, Weird Barbie. Like Weird Barbie's fun. Weird right. Barbie. We're gonna see so, so many to, Weird like, Barbies. Do makeup. Yeah. yeah. Right, We're gonna see so many Weird that. Barbies. We're gonna see President. Yes. Oh, I can't wait. Yes. I'm so excited for Halloween. President Barbie. Yeah. I know it's gonna be fun. Same. I'm excited. Can't wait to yes. see Midge. Midge, here I come. Kendall, thank you so so much for coming on. This was so much fun. We just love talking data and picking your brain. So picking your brain. Um, where can where can our listeners find you? Yes, it was so fabulous chatting with you guys. I love a good trend discussion. So this is always super, super fun. But you can find me. I'm on Instagram, Kendall underscore Becker. You can hang out with us at Trendalytics. We're on Instagram as well. Follow the newsletter too if you want any you know great insights we come out with each week. And I also have a podcast as well. So if you want to chat a little bit more about fashion and inspiration, the Curated Podcast is also where you can find me chatting about more things. All right, that's it. Thank you, everyone, for listening. We will be back on Tuesday with the week's most buzzy beauty news. Make sure you subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts and follow us on Spotify so you don't miss any breaking beauty news or product reviews. And if you want to support us, be sure to follow us at Gloss Angeles Pod on all platforms and join our Facebook group. Plus, find every product we recommend on our website, glossangelespod.com, as well as links to the stories and news we report each week. You can follow us, your hosts. I'm Sarah Tan, that's S-A-R-A-T-A-N, on all social platforms. And I'm Kirby Johnson, K-I-R-B-I-E, on all social platforms. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie, Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told, about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu.